the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Perspective. Teaching. Conversation. This is Isaiah 61. Over the next half hour, you'll hear why the Lord provided those verses and how they can be used in witnessing, in the church, and in daily life as God's children. Now, here's your host of Isaiah 61 from Spirit of the Lord Church in North Minneapolis, Pastor Joe Sutton. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Good to have you back in, uh, in, in this nice soon-to-be ex-winter time. You know, it's, it's like a rites of passage for me, man. I just... <laughs> I look forward to February. February is uh, it's the, it's the month I was born. You know what I mean? And I, you know, I don't, I don't know what that little groundhog did, but man, I, I was just glad to see 20s, man. I, you know, when you're glad to see 20s, man, it's something does something to your mental psyche. You know, when you get that, uh, you know, when, when, I mean, when I lived in, in uh, Florida and Texas, you know, I never appreciated seasons. I never, pre- cause, like, we didn't really have them. You know what I mean? We, we just went from hot, the not so hot, you know, <laughs> to cool and back to not so hot and hot. You know what I mean? It, it was just one of the things that I remember uh, sitting out on the grass, writing a, a support letter when I was working for you for Christ. And it was 74 degrees uh, on Christmas Eve. Right. I'm just sitting there chilling. And I, I would say these last 26 years, you know, that I've been in uh well, 27 years now that I've been in Minnesota has brought me uh, a level of respect for seasons and and to understand the seasons, even seasons in my life, seasons where I'm going in, in my, in my, my life, my family life, uh, my personal life and how God, you know, always equips us for seasons. You know, he, God says in his word, you know, and in Genesis that, you know, there'll always be, you know, night and day, seed time and harvest, you know, We'll always have seasons in our lives. And when I look at the seasons I'm going through in life, you know, I was just, I was thinking about change. Even as I was talking with uh, Brother Thompson about, you know, planting his church and I'm looking at this young man uh, coming into town, you know, planting the church. I remember when I first came into town, I wasn't planting the church. I was doing youth ministry. You know, I wanted to stay as far away from pastoring as I possibly could, you know, because I enjoyed, you know, working with young people and getting out there and, and uh, and and impacting and changing lives, and you, you do that from a pastoral part too. But it, when I was young, I just didn't really want to be dealing with the politics that go with with pastoring. And because sometimes some people, as they get older, all they have to is, is they just have time just to flex their influence. And and uh, but nobody cares about young people, so I didn't have to worry about that. Young people <laughs> didn't let them run around. Let me have them. Hey, Joe, take as many as you want here. It just didn't give me no money, but uh, you know, they, they, I could take as many as I want. So when I look at change in my life, you know, and I want to talk about change today and, and, you know, what what change means to us and sometimes in going. And I, I can remember some distinct times in my life, you know, where there's seasons. If you look at life as being, you know, you know, spring, summer, fall, you know, winter. And, and you look at the uh, the proverb that says, consider the ant thou sluggard. You know, he works hard 
during the summer to save up for the winter. And, you know, we, we translate that at times that we, you know, we work hard. We do the 401k, 403b, uh, you know, portfolio, mutual fund, whatever it is to make sure that we have enough money in our latter years so that we, we don't have to, we don't have to worry about depending on anybody and we can enjoy and we can go that route. And now we have the thing looming over our head that we don't even know how long we're going to have social security. And so it makes it even more important that you, you do something, you know what I mean? That, that gets out there. But as we prepare for, for the financial side, you know, of the winter of our lives, I have to ask myself another question, you know, you know, are we also preparing on the spiritual side of our lives? You know, the scripture says that the blessings are carried for a thousand generations. So, I mean, the greatest inheritance that I can leave my children is to, is to lead a blessed life because the scriptures say I've never seen a righteous forsaken or a seed begging for bread. So therefore, if I lead a righteous life, I've already set my my family up to a tune where I don't have to really worry about them being out there begging for bread. But change is hard. You know, what I mean, it, it really is. You know, I, I, I remember when, uh, you know, I used to sit around and I wanted a bike, man. I wanted a bike so bad. I would dream about a bike. You know, you see somebody else's bike laying around. You try to jump on it and ride it, but you fall down because you don't know how to ride the bike. But you you think you know how to ride the bike. You know, you telling your mama you ready for this. You know, and she, you know, I'm, I'm take my training wheels off. Take them off, right? You know, I'm ready. I'm ready. And then this, you all scraped up because we didn't have pads back in them days, man. You know, you just gutted it out. You know <laughs> You bust your head. Ain't nobody care about you busting your head, man. I remember one time I was climbing on the swing set. Yeah, you could, you, boys, boys can never use something for what it's made for, right? So I have a swing set and, and I'm, I'm I'm on I'm not satisfied with swings or love seed or seesaw. I climb on the top of the swing set, and I'm going to do a balancing act across the top of the swing set. Right now, the swing set has become my personal balancing act. Well, you know what happened. I'm six years old. I fail. Right, I fall for the top of the swing set, and when you're six years old, the biggest part of your body is your head. Right, so. You know, because, you know, your body is just there. You know what I mean? And so, of course, I feel the weight of my head beat my rest of my body down to the ground. So, wham, I hit my head. Man, I, I'm, I'm seeing double. It's foggy. I'm staggering. I go to my cousin, and, I, and she said, what's wrong? I'm crying. She's babysitting me. And I said, I fell off the top of the swing set. I hit my head. She said, didn't I tell you? And she did tell me not to go up there. But I waited till she went to answer the phone, and then I went up there. And and then she said, where's your brain at? I said, what? She said, where's your brain at? I said, I don't. She said, you better find your brain, or your mama going to whoop you when she get home. You better go. Man, I'm all out in the grass, looking all in the dirt and grass for my brain, man. I come back crying. I can't find my brain. She lets me go to sleep. My mother has a fit because she let me go to sleep with a head injury and everything. I'm thinking I'm getting a whooping when my mother wake me up. Man, I start crying. You know what I mean? Because I say, Mama, God, I'm sorry. I can't find my brain. My mama, she's like, what the heck? She thinking I'm delirious, right? She's just going all that route, you know. But, you know, I mean, I'm six years old. You know what I mean? Not, that that wouldn't have worked at eight or nine. You know what I mean? But it worked real good at six years old. And I do have to tell you, I've used that routine several times in my 58 years of life with little kids telling them they lost their brain every time they hit their head. Because that's just how it is in my family. Once, once. <laughs> Once you get burnt with something, you just burn everybody else with it. But it's change. You change. You go from 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 one place to another. Then I start designing. I want a twenty six inch bike, right? Because that was it with gear shifted English racer. You know that's that's what was there, man. Then all of a sudden they came out with bikes with sissy poles and 
you know, and banana seats. And I mean, it just was getting there. But after a while, I started looking at cars. I want a car, man. I want a car, man. I saw that 68 Camaro, man. That, I, that was my car, man. I want that Camaro, man. That Camaro just came out, man. Was, uh, I want that Camaro. We dreamed about the Camaro. You know, Dodge Roadrunner, Chargers, everything like that. All the muscle cars that was back in the day, man, is out there. I remember being riding with my uncle, hitting 130, 140 on the freeway, man. That was a feeling that I just loved, man. I used to, I used to just hit the freeways of Chicago doing 100, 110, 120. You know what I mean? That that I just I just I loved it. I loved it. You know what I mean? And and you talk about change in your life and you progress. One of the biggest changes for me that that was hard to do was turning twenty one, because everybody told me I couldn't I couldn't be a clown no more. I had to be serious when I got twenty one. You gotta be serious. I mean, I was scared of twenty one. I said twenty one. I gotta be serious. I'm legal in every state. Uh, <laughs> I can't I can't I can't I can't clown no more. And then I realized when I turned twenty one, twenty one was just a number. You know, and change is a state of mind. You know what I mean? I could have been more mature at 12 than I was at 21 or vice versa. You know what I mean? And so I started realizing it's a state of mind. And and I start, you know, start adapting myself to that point. You know, being in business school and, and understanding the, the, the role you had to play, uh, to getting there, the, the level of confidence you had to display, you know, or somebody would just dismiss you or eat you up. Uh, it, it, it became, you know, change became something I look forward to. Change is going to happen. Change is inevitable. Change is coming. And and we can ignore it. We can embrace it or we can anticipate it. And, and, and I've learned in my life that my life comes out a little bit better when I anticipate it. Uh, you know, a little while ago, you know, I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm 58. I'm not ashamed of my age or anything like that. You know, I still look good. You know, I mean, it just ain't, ain't, ain't nothing stopping it. You know, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> but, uh, I just was going through these changes and I realized, man, that, you know, I don't, I looked at the mirror and I looked at myself and I said, wow, it's not coming back. You know what I mean? I, I remember the days when I had two scoops of ice cream on my biceps, right? You know, now all I got is a flat tortilla. That's <laughs> all I got is a flat tortilla. I used to look forward thinking, oh man, I can, I can one punch anybody now. I can't even lick anybody, you know. I mean, it's just you know, it's not there. You know, I'm not, I'm not benching no 350 anymore. You know, after the open heart surgery, I barely lifted a hundred. You know, what I mean, it's 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 the things that change that come into your life that you know I have to handle things different. You know, and and even with my children, you know, I'm like, I'm not used to asking my children for anything. I'm used to telling them what to do, right? That's been our relationship. I tell them what to do. But now that they're they're grown, I have to ask them like, "Are you available this week to help me, uh, <laughs> to help me do something?" And I gotta wait for a yes or a no. Beforehand, I just be like, "Would you be here? Well, you better be here at three o'clock, or you ain't gonna want to be know what life gonna be like." You know, I can't do that. Change has to come in, and now you know. I mean, they 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 got families. You know, what I mean, they they have jobs and needs and things like that, and, and it's it's a different thing. And I, so I, I went to someone and I asked them, you know, in a way I said, they said, what you want to meet about? I said, I want you to help me deal with change. And he said, change. Why? I said, cause I know you've been down this road before, you know, as a gentleman older than me in the seventies and he started laughing. You know what I mean? He said, Joe, you're not old. I said, nah, but you either reject change, embrace change or anticipate change. I'm trying to anticipate. I'm trying to get ahead of the curve. I said, I, you know, I, I, I want to benefit from change. 
I want to benefit from what's going to happen. I want to benefit from these changing seasons and different things go in. And we have different changing seasons. You know, you got people in the stock market crying because there's a seasonal change coming up as the market, you know, drops. You know, they they was they was shouting when it was gaining a thousand points in a week and now they're crying and losing a thousand points in a day. But change is going to happen. Things are going to look at. And, and, and some will benefit from it. Some anticipated it. And some are going to reject it and pretend like it's not happening and everything is going to stay the same. And, you know, I just want to encourage you out there to understand and think about how do you embrace change? You know, a lot of times people, you know, they, they reject change. They're like, oh, that'll never do this and that'll never do that. And, you know, one of the biggest things we see is all the companies like Smith Corona and all those that went out of business when we changed from typewriters to keyboards. You know what I mean? When we when that change happened. You know, I remember I was studying computer programming and, and we used to have them cards, man, a big old stack of cards, man. You you get one little dent in a card and you got to go figure out which card it was, retype the card, go in there. That's how you started a computer off with cards. That's how you programmed it with cards. That's how you talk to the computer. When we got key, you know, we got, you know, you know, you know, keyboards and screens, man, that was just like, da, 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 you know, what I mean, you no know, more carrying around two, three hundred cards, you know, you know, trying to figure out whether your error was in the in this division or that division in Cobalt or whatever particular program you were working on. And, you know, when we got, got there, everybody was just happy that, that this new change is coming in and, and then the cards left and went by the wayside and then you can go ahead and get to your programming straight on the terminal. And that, and I, that was there, it was a change, but that change put that company who made those cards out of business. <laughs> you know, the guys who made them big, giant card readers, them things became, you know, they just became scrap, you know what I mean? And and so that, that change happened. Now, some rejected that change. They 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 set up, they invested more money in more card readers and whatever like that and more cards, and, and they figured card readers will always be here to stay. That's the way we did it, and that's where we always do it. Some embraced the change and said, well, it looks like it's going this way. Let's go ahead and order some some terminals, and, uh, you know, and, and, and then some anticipated the change. They anticipated that, that something better was going to be made. Matter of fact, they probably helped develop it because they were anticipating change, bringing it into a, a, a new age. Now, now, even if, if some of me and my wife was talking, uh, you know, you could even boot up a computer, you know, in, in this thing you call DOS, right? And, 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 you know, everybody knew DOS in the early days of a computer because that's how you talk to the computer. You talk to the computer with CD blacks backslash D whatever, you know, and, and, and that became your, your, your language that you communicated and you went and then somebody developed windows, which is an interface between DOS and the, and the, and the human being. So that every human being didn't have to learn DOS commands, you know, in order to get in their computer, they can just click and go. And, and the interface windows speaks in DOS. And sometimes my, my wife, you know, she when something crashes, you know, she can bypass it by going through DOS, you know what I mean? But she, she you know, she she still remembers those commands, you know. But now we just we just cut it on and click and type and clicking in and send and whatever and we don't have to worry about all those commands and everything like that because the and Windows speaks in the language for us. And some embrace that change. And so I just want to encourage you today that when 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 change is coming you know what I mean? That you get on the part where you anticipate change, that you can anticipate what can happen. God calls us to that, you know, in his word. He gives us tools. He gives us memos. He, you know, he said, thy word have I hid in your heart that you might not sin against me. God will reveal his word to you and give you things like that. 
You know, I just want to remind you all, you're listening to Joe Sutton from Spirit of the Lord Church. My ra- the radio program is Isaiah 61. And uh, we're going to take a break coming up here. And I'm going to just come back with some practical ways to, to anticipate change and benefit from change and, uh, and come out on top. Spirit of the Lord Church is a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church impacting North Minneapolis and the greater Twin Cities. Emphasizing the four pillars of godly thinking, training up godly children, godly marriages, and outreach to the community. Spirit of the Lord has quickly become a staple to some of the people who need God the most. As they focus on Jesus Christ, grace and truth bind them together to become God's best. Join them for service every Sunday morning at 1030 at 1001 Penn Avenue North in Minneapolis. Spirit of the Lord Church, a proud sponsor of Isaiah 61. Picture this, standing at the Sea of Galilee and being baptized in the Jordan River. Visiting Jerusalem, where every stone pathway leads you towards the life of Christ and the story of God's promise on earth. These moments can be yours when you join Tony and Lois Evans for Experience Israel 2018, November 7th through the 16th. With gifted musical guests Anthony Evans and Meredith Andrews, your time in Israel will be rich with a spiritual blessing. Visit am980themission.com for more information and to book your journey to Israel today. The man who uses the same beat, no matter what it is. <laughs> it be cold sweat, it can be body heat, it can be whatever it was, man. James, James worked that beat, man. Go with what works, right? That's right, man. Him and Larry Graham, they just gave, gave slow it down, speed it up, but it was the same beat, man. They was... They weren't getting out of. They weren't getting. They make that money and keep on going. You know, get it going. You get me. You don't even know what the copyright because it all looks sounds the same. <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah, ch- change is there, man. I, I I remember when me and my wife got married. Before we got married, we took a trip down to Texas because I didn't want my friends in Texas spending all that money coming to my wedding. And then, you know, wedding you don't really see anybody. You don't get to visit with anybody. You know, because you got rehearsal dinners and you know receptions and. Then they leave for the honeymoon, so you don't really get to spend time with them. And I didn't want them spending all that money uh, to come to my wedding, and I don't really get to spend time with them. They don't get to meet my wife. So uh, me and my me and my wife went down to Texas. I had a speaking engagement at at uh, with at Tony Evans's church at, where I was on a retreat for him, and uh, and so we went down to Texas to so she could visit all my family in Texas, and they can get to know her and spend a little bit more time with her. And then we went to the retreat, and it was so so funny. Uh, his daughter, you know, who now is uh, you know speaking and doing things like that, was was a you know was a cheerleader, loud. She was about she was a junior in high school. She just was always talking, getting at it. And his son was an introvert. He just he, he asked him what his goal was in life, and it was he wanted to work on a camp and take care of the horses. You know, because that's. What <laughs> this dude didn't talk. He just sat off to the side, and he he, he took care of the horses. I mean, you know, that's the way. I mean, he's a guy like eight or ninth grade, you know, and all he wants to do is work at a camp out in the middle of nowhere and be with horses. And then now that he's grown, 
He's a singer, you know. What I mean, he's a contemporary Christian singer. Now he's I got something to watch one day watching on TV, and he was singing at something. And then I then I you heard his first album that came out. You know, now he's doing it with his dad, that Israel thing. You the ad just played. I chuckle every time I look at that. Now, you know, now he's out in front of everybody singing. When you couldn't even get this cat to, you couldn't even get him to come to the altar to pray. He wanted to pray in the back of the of the building, man. And you know, just. The change that happens in people's lives, the thing that comes out, you know, because when you look at his mom and his dad, his family, it comes from a family on both sides of the family, of families of, you know, preachers. And so, you know, you know, getting in front of people wouldn't be hard for them. But, but you know, and sometimes, you know, you look at that and you think you can't do it, but then change comes in and, and, and now you can, you can do it. You know, you can, you can do, you can do what it takes to, to, uh, for what God has called you to. And and so when you look at it at, at purpose in life, you know, a lot of times we we look at it, it comes a season of change in our life and, and, and we don't I was speaking to uh someone and I said, you know, you need to decide how you're gonna face this time of change in your life. I said, You need to set timelines for yourself as to when you're gonna do. You see change coming. And so sometimes we go like, How should I do should I go this way or that way? If you don't set clear boundaries for yourself and and have a level of accountability with someone in your circle that can talk to you, you know, you'll find yourself trying to hold on and you'll hold on a little bit too long. You know what I mean? But if you if you know it's coming, I mean, I, I know my house is going to change this fall. You know, my my youngest son, uh, you know, he graduates from high school and he's going to go out there. And uh, he's going to be probably the first one, the second one who won't go to college. He's going to be like his sister. He just wants to work and go out there and, and, and live on his own. And so he's been saving toward that mark and getting ready for that. And, and you know, change is coming. You know, my wife is, you know, that's the baby. That's the last one. <laughs> this is like, <laughs> I'm happy as I don't know what that he's going to be gone. And she's a little sad that he's, 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 he's going, he's going to be gone. And I'm just, and, and, you know, but I, it, the change is for the positive. You know, we've been talking about it, you know, uh, helping him look at decisions, you know, you know where he's going to work, different things like that. He has a lot of options. And, you know, that's anticipating the change. You know, I've been working with him in the last three years, you know, because uh, I, I kind of knew which way he wanted to go. And so it, it, I anticipated the change, and I've been helping him walk through it and getting him ready to, to go on that route. And, and But, you know, I'm not – my wife is not rejecting it. You know what I mean? She's just going along with it. You know what I mean? She just really doesn't want to think about it. You know what I mean? Because, you know, I, I guess I'm not understanding that, that mindset. I'm just, I'd be glad when they're gone. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I just, just my mindset. I got nine of them. I still got one, one more to go after this. So I just, I'm down to eight gone and one to go. That's how I look at it. So, but it's coming next year. He graduates, you know, and you got to anticipate that. Look at that. And prepare for that, not be blind to that. You know, even when my kids were born, once they were born, you know, my wife used to get mad at me because I, I said, now begins the countdown to death. And and then she would go like, she didn't, she didn't want to hear that. I said, but it's a reality that we all have to face. And, and, and am, am I going to reject it? You know, I'm just going to go with it or I'm anticipating. So I'm anticipating and I'm doing what I need to do to make sure that my kids can complete their purpose. I, it's so fun to enjoy them at four or five years old. But, you know, from the time my kids could walk, I had them working. And my wife didn't like it at the time. But now she likes it because of the work ethic that they have. 
and how they apply that to their life and even to their faith. And and sometimes we have to be able to look and say, hey, this day is coming. You know, I mean, there's going to come a day when my boys will wash up under their arms and comb their hair and and not wear wrinkled clothes because they want girls to look at them. It's coming. You know what I mean? I don't care how many cootie stories I hear. It's coming. You know, I know it's coming. You know, it happened in my life. It happened in other lives. It's coming. And I'm not going to be, you know, my, my daughters are going to fill out and everybody's going to stare at them. It's coming. You know what I mean? So it's like, I, I and, and, and how you deal with that. My thing that I do is I go to God's word. And, and whatever I do, I try to be biblical about it. You know, I try to take those examples and, and apply them to my life and allow the Holy Spirit to give me direction and how to apply that word to my life and into the life of my family. So whatever I do, I try to be biblical. I try to leave Joe Sutton out of it. <laughs> and I try to stay biblical. So if I can sum it up in one word, is this, is that trust in the Lord with all of thy heart and lean not on thy own understanding. And all of thy change, acknowledge him, and he will make your pastorate. And all of your change, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. If it's not the word, it shouldn't be. Go out, rebuild something that's been torn down in your life or a neighbor's life, and rebuild it with the sure foundation of the word and spirit of God. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.